Welcome to Second That with Minnesota FFA. The podcast that explores agriculture and the current happenings of our members and supporters. I'm Elena Kanat, the Minnesota FFA treasurer. And I'm Anna Early, the Minnesota FFA reporter. And we want to welcome you to the first episode of our podcast. This being the first episode, we wanted to start at the beginning. So we're going back to our roots. FFA members don't just come out of nowhere like weeds in a field. They start in the classroom and go from there with the help of their wonderful and all-knowing FFA advisors. So with that, please welcome our advisors, Mrs. Katie Shaw from Thief River Falls and Mr. Cole from Litchfield. Mrs. Shaw and Mr. Cole, thank you so much for being here with us today on the first episode of our podcast. Let's jump right in and get started with telling us a little bit about yourselves. Mrs. Shaw, you can start us off. All right. I am Katie Shaw. I teach at Lincoln High School in Thief River Falls. I have been teaching for, this is year 13. Um, let's see. My husband is a mechanic who works for TR Salvage. We have two kids who are eight and five. And I don't know what else you want to know at this moment. <laughs> Perfect. That is fantastic. How about you, Mr. Cole? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Rob Cole. Uh, I've been teaching uh, in Litchfield at Litchfield High School uh, for 15 years. Uh, been the FFA advisor there as well. Uh, my wife is the 4-H program coordinator in McCrow County, uh, where I live. Uh, I have three children, um, 11, 8, and 5. Um, and uh, happy to be here today. I'm excited uh, to be here on the podcast. Awesome. So we'll start out with our first question. Um, and it's a pretty basic question. And we'll start with Mrs. Shaw. So what is your why? That's a great question. So my why, I kind of always go back to, you know, why did I become an egg teacher? Why do I do this job? I, as a young person, realized not everybody understands where our food comes from and has an appreciation. Um, and, you know, part of this job is getting more people to understand how important agriculture is in their daily life. Um, that was kind of a huge drive for me that there's a definite need for that to happen. Um, I also really enjoy working with young people. Um, that's something that, you know, going into being an ag teacher, which I know I know Elena is, I don't know Anna if that's what you're currently going for, but if you're going to be an egg teacher, that's definitely a huge part of the job is working with young people and you know, meeting them and finding their passions as well. Awesome. And Mr. Cole, what is your why? You know, for, for a long time, you know, I think back uh, to when I was in middle school and high school, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, my background, I don't, I don't come from a family with a strong agricultural background. And so my, my love um, as a kid was spending time outside on the woods, on the water, um, and, and really enjoyed that, that piece of it. And so, you know, as I started to figure out what I wanted to do um, and what I wanted my life's work to be, I, I wanted to, to help uh, people understand uh, what makes 
what makes our, our outside existence what it is and to have an understanding of, of why why the trees turn colors in the fall and why our dirt has different texture and, and why birds fly south. Um, and I wanted to be, um, but like, like Mrs. John, I also, you know, I, I wanted to do something that mattered and I wanted to help students find their passions and, and help them find their why, help them find their reason to wake up in the morning and and, and do something to make this, this planet a better place. Yeah, you both touched on helping others and helping others find their passions and purpose in life. And that's something that I really loved about FFA and being a member is having that support to find what you are passionate about and what you love. Personally, FFA and Mrs. Shaw have really guided me through high school and into the next steps after high school. You both kind of touched on this in the previous question, but the next question we have for you is how did you get where you are today? I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I was middle school, even into like my freshman year of high school. It's, you know, it's typical. And I was comfortable with that, that that's totally okay. That's part of, you know, the process of growing up is figuring out where you belong in this world. Um, but I wanted to be a social worker at first. And I thought, gosh, that'd be great. Until I discussed with a social worker what they do on a daily basis. And I thought, maybe not so great. And then I knew, you know, I, I was standing in the high school ed classroom. I went to high school in Tabika. So this was Mr. Funk's classroom at the time. And I said, gosh, you know, I think I'd really like to teach, but I don't know what I would teach. And he didn't really say anything. He had that look on his face, like, he'll figure this out. Um, and part of it, that passion for education, I think, comes from, um, I had a, a grandma who was a fifth grade teacher for many, many years, Mrs. Percival. Um, and I knew both sets of grandparents really valued education. So I think that's kind of what drove me to it. Um, and it took me a few days and finally I came back to Mr. Funk and I said, you know, what does it take to get your job? And he had stuff ready. Like, I know she's coming and this will happen, but let me just wait for it. Um, so he gave me the list of the courses we would take at Crookston, and I honestly worked my tail off to get scholarships. Um, and I, you know, my main choices were either the U of M Twin Cities or Crookston. I landed on Crookston just because, honestly, at that point, it felt safer for me coming from a small town. Um, plus, they gave me some more scholarship money, and that's why I went to Crookston. Um, from there, so I majored in agricultural education, and then the interesting part my senior year of college, I got married, kind of became place bound because my husband graduated before me and had a job. Um, so I wound up working for a service agency for a year, which served as kind of a blessing because it made me realize that I did want to be in the classroom. I, I liked the job, enjoyed working with farmers, but I also realized it wasn't where I fully belonged. And then Thief River came open and I interviewed and I got the job. So here I am. Awesome. And we'll pass it over to Mr. King. You know, my, my experience uh, was, was similar to that. Um, I come a little bit late uh, to the party. Um, I didn't sign up for an egg class until I was a junior in high school. And uh, it was, you know, I really didn't know exactly what I really wanted to do. Uh, and, and again, I, I think that's a really common thing for a lot of, a lot of young people. They really, they have some interests 
but they don't really know how to capitalize on those interests and pursue those interests and, and turn that into into something that resembles a career. Uh, so I, I took them up for resources class and, uh, and enjoyed it. Um, and shortly after the class started, uh, we had a couple of FFA members come in and talk about what FFA is. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it before that. I went to a fairly large high school, um, still our high school, pretty large. Um, and there's lots of different opportunities for students. And um, I was really intrigued. I thought, this sounds like stuff that I'm really interested in and something I want to pursue. Um, and from there, you know, that really, that really ignited uh, a passion which I had, but I really didn't know how to channel it into anything. So as I started to finish out my, my junior year of high school, you know, I started thinking about, well, gee, how do I, how do I take this passion and how do I turn that into something that I can do every day? Um, and, and the best piece of advice I ever got was from my, my grandfather. My grandfather was a carpenter and he loved what he did. Uh, he loved building things and helping people. Um, and he said, if, if you find something you like and you can turn that into, into work, well, every day gets to be fun. It's like, well, yeah, that's, that sounds like a pretty good piece of advice. Well, I really like this. And, you know, my, my egg teacher, uh, Mr. Becker, um, he, um, he really seemed to enjoy what he was doing. And he was sharp, uh, really a sharp guy. He could, uh, he could really, he knew everything about everything. And it's like, that's, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to do. So, you know, really, I, I started thinking about this, and I, I, I threw it at my parents, and my parents were, were pretty supportive. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a first-generation uh, four-year college grad out of my family, so they were they were supportive. And they said, yeah, we want to we want to see you go to college. And um, and so I did. Um, we started to um, register for courses at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus, and I was there for a few years. Um, and I needed to make some changes, and so I transferred to University of Wisconsin River Falls. Um, not that not that University of Minnesota Twin Cities is a bad school; it's just it wasn't the right fit for me. And it is an excellent fit for a lot of people, but it wasn't the right fit for me. And and River Falls was a better fit. Um, finished there, um, and um, interviewed for a position in Litchfield. Um, and like like Mr. Shaw, um, I wasn't necessarily place bound, but my my wife's family is from McLeod County and um, very large extended family in the area. And, and that's what I wanted. Um, I wanted to be um, part of and close to a large extended family. Uh, my family is scattered all across the United States. And so it really made sense to try to stay somewhere close. Uh, and, and really, you know, I've been, I've been really satisfied uh, with the career. Um, I am I'm a firm believer in the transformative power of education. Um, education can change life and change entire family destinies. And I believe that to some degree when I was in high school, but as I've worked in this profession, uh, I've seen that more and more, how, how education and, and getting into the right, right career and right work um, can really open up doors and opportunities that take you places you could never possibly imagine. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Cole. And man, we sure are glad that you uh, you applied at Litchfield and you stayed there for as long as you did to have students like myself in and out of your ag department. Uh, I know you truly were an inspiration to not only myself, but so many of my friends that walked in that door also. 
So our next question is, what qualities do you think are essential in leadership based on your personal experience? So Mrs. Shaw, we'll start with you. Honestly, I think the biggest, the biggest mistake a lot of leaders make is not realizing it's it's not about them. It's especially in the FFA, it's a, you know, it's a servant leadership position that you really have. You're working for your peers and with your peers at the same time. Um, some of the other pieces that I you know, really value is honesty. Sometimes it's painful, but honesty has always been a strong value for me. Um, and, you know, for others too, you know, it's not always fun to hear the honest truth, but it's important. Um, and, you know, that, that whole word of the bond piece, if, if you tell me that you're going to show up at 10 a.m. to be here for a CDE practice or, you know, you're showing up for some sort of community service projects, well, you better be here. That speaks volumes. Um, so, and, you know, it's, it's also cool to think about all the opportunities you have. And the other piece to think about as an FFA member is you don't have to have a leadership title to be considered a leader. There are many students that work so hard behind the scenes that may never have a leadership title, but they do amazing things. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Mr. Cole, what about you? What qualities do you think are essential in leadership based on your personal experience? You know, I've, I've worked with and worked around um, leaders in very different capacities, uh, with different different boards I've been on and, and different places I've been employed. You know, what, what I found most valuable and most helpful is, is a leader that um, is willing to work with you. Um, a leader is not someone who is uh, necessarily like the supreme person. A leader should be willing to roll up their sleeves and, and get to work with you and, and, and help you. Um, a leader, in my opinion, um, a good leader is one that, that pushes whoever they're working with when, when there's an opportunity to shine and when there's an opportunity for recognition. A leader pushes the people they're working with in front so they get the recognition. And the leader steps back uh, so that the people that they're working with um, receive the recognition for the work that they've been doing. Uh, I think a lot of people have, um, sometimes they're confused as to what a leader really is. You know, they think about a leader that's maybe up at a podium, um, a leader that's directing groups of people, um, a leader that's in charge. And while those are those are true statements about leaders, I, I think leaders can, can do things really contrary to that. A leader can lead from behind. A leader can be, instead of the one at the podium, a leader can be the one backstage, making sure everybody is prepared and is able to perform their role. Um, a leader can be someone who, who takes their friend aside and say, hey, you know, I've noticed you've been struggling recently. Now, is there some things, you know, some things we can talk about, that we can do? Um, you know, a leader, a leader can be someone who who asks someone to come along to, to uh, an FFA meeting um, and say, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. I think Ms. Shaw hit the nail on the head when she said, you know, you don't have to have a leadership position uh, to be a leader. Um, I, I, think of, I think of some students I've seen over the years, and they never had a leadership position. They were never elected to an, an FFA chapter office, but yet because of who they were and because of their actions, their, their classmates and their peers look to them for guidance look to them for direction. And 
these particular students never would have thought of themselves as being a leader, but they were. Um, and, and a really valuable and important part of, of the FFA chapter and, and the classroom. Yeah, those are some great notes that you both highlighted. I especially loved how you mentioned selfless leadership and making sure that we as leaders know who we are leading, which sometimes means stepping back and taking a role behind the scenes, like Mr. Cole said. Mr. Cole, you said that a leader needs to be able to roll up their sleeves and get to work with and for the people that they're leading. And, you know, in FFA, we see a lot of rolling up our sleeves and getting to work on the chapter level and even national level. And sometimes people question, is it worth it? Um, is all this hard work and time that you put in the end, is it, is it worth it? And that's our next question for you is, do you think FFA is worth it? All right. So I didn't even share, I skipped that part in my story, but for FFA, for me, I saw it as an opportunity as a ninth grader, but in our household, I have an older brother and my mom said that that's his thing. And I, I waited and I didn't press it until my brother became the chapter president. And I said, don't you guys need members or something? Like, why can't I join? <laughs> to which finally they you know, caved and I joined. And oddly enough, it worked out pretty well for me. Uh, but, you know, when you say, is it worth it? Part of the piece of FFA, you were going to get out of this organization what you put into it. There are so many opportunities out there to give you, you know, opportunities to explore different careers, different leadership opportunities, you know, community service, things that you could be doing. You, as much as, you know, an FFA member is going to put their energy in is what they're going to get out of it. And that's what they have to kind of keep in mind that, yes, it's all worth it, but you have to make it worth it for you. Um, and I, I feel it's also an excellent piece to, you know, give students that exploration of passion, those ones that don't know what they want to do for a career, maybe try some different contests and see what they would like. For, for me personally, you know, I, I was involved in some different activities in, in high school, but I never really found my place, uh, never really found a place where I felt like I could be me. Um, and in FFA was that place where I could be me. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, as I think about a lot of our FFA members, um, I, I think that keeps them there, um, at least initially. And then they start to pursue those passions. Uh, they start to meet people who have similar interests and similar experiences. And that, that piece alone, once you start to become involved on the local level and then beyond that, you start to meet people that, that have similar passions. And that really begins to fuel a fire uh, where you, you find out, well, you're, you're not the only one that, that likes looking at soil. Uh, you're not the only one that likes to judge livestock. Uh, you're you're not the only one that really gets excited when when you can weld a really neat weld. Uh, there's other people out there like you, uh, and when you start to meet people, your peers that have those similar interests, that that's really exciting. Uh, but then beyond that, when you start to meet people that are out in the industry, that are are pursuing careers, that you have some pretty you know, deep interest in, like, well, gee, I could do that. I could do that for a living. And look at this person. Look at what they're doing. 
look at look at and they, they seem happy you know they they like going to work because not everybody likes to go to work uh, and they they have they have other interests where you know maybe they go to work and then they have a side thing where they're working on on building a side business or a side hobby and so when you when you ask the question well why is it worth it well it's it can be I mean, if you put in the time you get out of out of FFA way way more than than the work you put in and it can be a lot of work depending on your level of involvement and, and there's some days where it, it might feel like it is tough sledding in, in life uh, but but when you get to those moments where you can see the results of your your efforts even if you're not successful like you'd like to be you look back at the experiences you've had and how you've grown um, and who you are now versus who you are when you first started holy cow the the amount of growth and the the changes that that become you know that, that you change as a person that's that's pretty neat to see that um, and it's pretty neat to experience that for sure thank you both for your phenomenal answers this is amazing it's so cool to get a little bit of insight coming from a different perspective so our next question is what is a piece of advice that you have for young adults and mrs shaw we'll start with you um a piece of advice i i did judging contests when i was in ffa because it felt safe uh, i did i picked one that you, i knew you wouldn't have to speak to anybody I didn't want to have to speak in front of a panel of judges. Didn't want to have to, you know, tell my advisor what I said and did wrong. And you know, basically, it was cut and dry. You, you know, go through the contest and tell them what piece of meat that is through your little piece of paper. Um, and from there, I kind of got pushed. I wrote a paper for class, and then Mr. Funk said this would be a really good speech, and I went, uh -uh. <laughs> and then he said, I think you could do it. And then, you know, dangled a little extra credit in front of me. And here I am today. Part of it is get out of your comfort zone. And that's exactly what happened to me. From there, I became a chapter officer. I became a regional officer and obviously you know, an egg teacher today. It, and that's the hard part for students to hear. They don't want to get uncomfortable. They don't want to do hard things. If you can push yourself, that's where the growth happens. And those are the pieces that you need to remember that it might feel awkward and uncomfortable, but new things are going to feel that way to you. That's part of the learning process. Obviously, as you go forward, you'll get better at it. The other piece too is if you don't know what you like, try things, try different things, try different contests, go to different workshops, build your network, meet new people, take those opportunities as they come. Awesome. And Mr. Cole, what about you? What is one piece of advice that you have for young adults? You know, the, the big thing is, is find your people, uh, find mentors. I, I look back across my life and I, I wasn't deliberate in doing this. Um, the right people kind of fell into my life at the right times. Um, even when I didn't really know what I needed, there just happened to be people there that could help me navigate whatever it was I needed to navigate. Those people, you know, they, they, might, be, they might be family members, uh, they might be neighbors, they might be people that you see at school or at work or at church, um, but they're out there and they want to help you. Uh, and, and they can come in some really, really different roles. And, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of different examples here. So when I first started teaching in Litchfield, I, I didn't know anyone in Litchfield. 
and uh, the principal at the time, uh, he says, you know, if you if you go out and meet one person and have one cup of coffee this month, you need to you need to meet this this older gentleman. And uh, and being a, a young teacher that wanted to to impress his boss, it's like, okay, so let's go do that. So I did, and uh, this particular individual had had a really wide uh, and storied career in agriculture, um, particularly the marketing end of things. And uh, I learned so much about how to be a professional, how to be, um, how to communicate with people, who the people were in the community that I needed to know, who the people in the community that I really didn't need to know, um, and and really helped me grow in a really important and transformative time. Uh, when you first start off in a career, when you're right out of college, uh, <laughs> you think you know a lot, but you don't. Uh, those first couple of years when you're in your career, uh, they're, they're challenging. And surround yourself with people that want to help you, that want to see you do well. Uh, and, and they're all over the place, those people. Uh, and, they, and again, they might come in, in all kinds of different roles. Um, be open to that. Be open to meeting new people and finding these people that have experiences that can help you. You know, the, the other thing I would, I would encourage young people to do as well is try to create a vision for your life, uh, whatever that vision is. Uh, I thought a lot about this, particularly now in the time of COVID, where we've had less things going on. So I've, I've had some extra space, mental capacity in my brain to start to think about, uh, like, what, what do you want your life to be? And when you're 85 years old and, and you're looking in the rearview mirror of all the different things that you've done and you've experienced, uh, you know, what, what do you want those things to be? What do you, what do you, who do you want to have been? What do you want to have done? What do you want to have accomplished? What do you want to have tried? And you're going to fail. That's just inevitable. Uh, but what, what do you want to make a run for? What do you, what do you want to do? And if you can start to think about that when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, you can start to get a vision of what you want that life to be. And man, that's way out there on the horizon. It's really blurry. But as you start taking steps towards that vision, the vision becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And so by the time you get to wherever that vision is, now you've got a picture of a life that was well lived. And, and I think that's a really important thing. And, and uh, I, I would really encourage young people to spend some time thinking about that. Yeah, taking those opportunities, like Shaw said, to find those moments and experiences of growth and to find those people that can help facilitate and guide that personal and professional growth is huge. Our last question for you is, what is your favorite moment as an advisor? Oh, man. Favorite moment. I have so many of them. I, I, I think any time you see a kid succeed is always a great moment or those pieces where you know they've learned something. Um, some other great moments have been those times where a student is – this is going to sound bad, but the time the student is upset and we build up from that, where it's the, you know, they trust you so much. They've come to you with 
problems that are not even related to your egg class or FFA because you're that you know, trusted individual in their life is a huge piece. Um, says a lot about the relationship you can develop with a student. Um, I don't know, this is a really tough question. And I've had, I've had students doing things at state and it's fun to watch and see, but I don't feel like those are the best moments in teaching. I, you know, those little, little pieces and those are gonna be the pieces that get you through years like this where it's tough. Um, I just really enjoy my job and engaging with students. Uh, and that's a huge piece. And that's, it's a hard piece right now like to thoroughly engage with students when everything is over Zoom. So that's a piece that I'm really missing in these moments, but I truly enjoy watching a student learn and knowing that something is finally clicked that may have been difficult. Those are the good times. How about you, Mr. Cole? Oh, this is this is a tough question. Um, you know, I, I I've experienced um, some some moments of, of really great joy in this career that I never would have imagined when I when I started entered into the classroom uh, back in 2005. That first day, uh, some some really cool things I have. Uh, impacted me in, in ways I never would have imagined. Um, where I've seen kids be really, really successful and do things that they never would have imagined they've been able to do by themselves. Um, groups of kids that have come together uh, to overcome some obstacles um, and working together, um, being able to realize what their strengths were and what their weaknesses were and being able to cover those um, areas of, of strengths and weaknesses. Uh, those have been really impactful. But I think I think alongside of those those really cool moments uh, are like what Mrs. Sean said um, are those moments in the classroom where they're unscripted and they're they're not moments you know they're they're unexpected where you're you're working on teaching something and all of a sudden someone says something and and the entire classroom is from the laughter and it's not a mean situation it's just it's just funny, and and you can share that experience together, share that laughter. That's really that's really powerful. Uh, or or when you're when you're working with with students that are really having a hard time with something, and all of a sudden that light bulb goes on, or all of a sudden they get it, and when you can see that expression in their eyes, uh, that's that's what you put in the bank, and you take that out. Um, on, on, on times like this, where you, you got to teach through a screen rather than in person, um, I think alongside of that, um, I think there's been some really cool moments too, um, where I've been able to mentor some of the other people in the building, some younger staff, uh, where you know, ed teachers see the world differently, and so sometimes students that don't do so well in other classrooms thrive in the ed classroom. And, and when you can get some teachers coming from the other end of the building saying, hey, you know, this, this, this kid's doing really well for you and you're not having any problems with this kid. What, what am I doing? Why, why can't I connect? And, and to realize, you know, to have these other staff members in the building realize that what we do has real value. Uh, that's, those are moments that I really appreciate. Thank you both for joining us today and letting us in on some of your wisdom as our wise owls. 
Our advisors and their programs throughout the state of Minnesota are truly the roots of our organization. And with that, we hope that you've been able to say second that along with us today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Second That with Minnesota FFA. We'll see you next time.